This episode of Gray Matter is in partnership with SFELC, a curated community of engineering leaders working to evolve the way leadership is implemented in the tech industry. At the annual SFELC Summit, Square's Alyssa Henry and Node Source's Chandra Darup discuss managing cross-functional teams and learning lessons from growing teams at hyperscale. Our next session features two amazing leaders in their own right. The topic is zooming out from engineering. We are featuring Alyssa Henry and Chanda Darup. I have the pleasure of introducing to you the moderator for this panel, Chanda Darup. Chanda is a VP of engineering at NodeSource. She brings 20 plus years of experience leading engineers and product teams, specifically focused around emerging trends and developing technology. She brings a robust mix of global corporate and startup experience to this conversation. So please join me in welcoming our moderator for this conversation, Chandadara. Thank you, Patrick. So this is really cool. You know, it's the first time I'm here in a, I've always been used to hackathons and meetups that are related to actually hands-on. And I've always missed this, you know, which is talking to other engineering managers and leaders and people who are aspiring to be managers and engineering leaders. So generally when you do panels, they give you this little bio and you know, um, then you go off and you dutifully figure out who the person is that you're talking to and then you know, read a little blurb about them. But I went off of the bio, I went LinkedIn and I looked at Alyssa's experience and I have to say this has just been amazing just reading her LinkedIn profile. But she and I share a little bit of similarity. We both uh, have a bachelor's in mathematics and that's pretty cool and we both programmed a long time ago in COBOL and Fortran and you know all those age-old uh, you know beginnings of uh, computer science languages and um, and then I looked at her work experience she worked for a decade at one of the largest companies Microsoft and then she went on to Amazon AWS storage services and you know responsible for AWS Lambda and I'm like I'm just like blown away and so and Elisa is now at Square and uh, leads a cross-functional team of engineers and product managers and design sellers, you know, and I'm going to, you know, let her talk a little bit about Square and for the audience who may, I mean, I hope there's nobody that doesn't know Square, but in case you want to talk a little bit about Square itself and your move there. Sure. Yeah. So at Square, we're helping entrepreneurs, in this case, non-tech entrepreneurs, start and grow businesses. And, uh, for me, it's kind of an evolution or the next step from what I was doing at AWS, where AWS was helping entrepreneurs, but tech entrepreneurs. And really kind of two sides of the same coin. Excited about it, though, because I do believe that in both cases, part of how we move forward as a country, even as a world, is helping entrepreneurs start new businesses. It's where job growth and creation comes from, is the start of new companies, and then providing folks tools you know, whether they're um, you know, point of sale on payments or whether it's you know, storage and compute, that helps anyone really get started and grow. Prior to AWS, if you weren't pretty much a white guy down here in the valley with access to VC, you couldn't start a tech company because it was way too expensive to get going and you, know, you had to buy your Sun servers and your colo space and your Oracle licenses. So you really didn't have a broad range of people participating in starting tech companies and that just really exploded with AWS and with Square, it's the same thing. From the smallest businesses to the largest businesses, but really focusing on the small and the new entrepreneurs, how do we give them the tools to effectively compete against the Amazons of the world and the large companies in commerce? 
Interesting. So I've always gone from like small companies to big companies and then back again to small companies, like boomerang back to the small company. But I think your journey has been really interesting, you know, zooming out into a smaller company from coming from larger companies. What was that experience like? How, what was challenging about that transition and what were some of the things that uh, you found on the ground? Yeah. So my career transitions have always been from kind of larger, older into smaller and younger. So I was at Microsoft from 94 to 2006. It was still pretty, not all that big and still kind of scrappy. Back in 94 when I joined, kind of less so by 2006, we'd been declared a monopoly by then. Um, and then when I joined Amazon in 2006, I think it was a sum total of about 3,000 people with probably 2,000 of those people working in fulfillment centers. And so actually pretty small from a um, corporate perspective and from a R&D perspective. By the time I left there in 2014, it was a much, much larger company and has grown from there since. When I joined Square, it was about 1,000 people. We're now probably about the size that Amazon was when I joined. But it's been interesting, that progression. I like the agility that you get in sort of new formation, um, but I also like the process of scaling. Mm. And so it's kind of that adolescent phase where there's something that's sort of going, yeah. but it's still messy and sloppy and you're figuring out how to you know, scale the code, scale the organization, those two often go together and make it all work. Actually, that's the interesting part of uh, doing management and for the audience, right? I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, what are the challenges there? For example, like I've uh, always run engineering and then had a short stint in product management, but you've had a fantastic experience of real cross-functional teams. How do you go from running engineering engineering to running a team that is really cross-functional with you know designers who are a completely different sort of mindset and product managers who you know are completely at odds with engineering half the time uh, in my experience so and how do you do that what were some other things that yeah. you know helped you again I had kind of a funny path you know I started my career as an engineer and did that for several years number of years and then into engineering management and then I moved in from an engineering management into PM. But when I moved into PM, it was working on developer tools. And so working on Microsoft back in the day, but you know, ADO and XML and ODBC and, and all of the kind of the data access stack and SQL server. And so while I was working in sort of product, it was still very technical product and my customers were developers and working fairly low in the stack, which allowed me to stay technical. Then moved into managing product management and then into general management. And so managing at the time test and PM and, and engineering, having had the background in two of those three uh, you know, as an mm. IC, yeah. but not um, in the third, and then figuring out how to learn how to do that. Then moved back into engineering management from kind of a general management role when I moved to Amazon, and then actually back into a general management role when I moved to AWS early on. And, but then that was interesting because I had operations as a new mm. discipline, which yeah. I had not done before, and figuring out how to hire someone. I knew I was incompetent in that area. Um, I had never <laughs> run large-scale services. I didn't know anything about operations slash SRE, I think some of the companies mm. call it. And so hiring a really great leader that could effectively teach me <laughs> their yeah. function. So that was a real key yeah. skill to learn. And then at Square, I have a range of functions, you know, from sales to customer support to design and 
to engineering, but again, it's the same thing, you know, figure out how you can find great people that can help teach you and then give them the space to do yeah. that and respect yeah. the skill sets that they bring. Certainly design was a blind spot for me as well when I started at Square because I'd always worked on API developer tools and where the UX was an API, not a yeah. UI. And so uh, learning, yeah. learning a UI yep. was a new thing for me. Correct, yeah. yeah. That's very interesting. So in that, just shifting tracks a little bit about team itself. Like, how did you grow a team? Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the things you did to grow your team? It may be hiring, it may be other, you know, did you bring in coaches? Did you bring in people who understood process? Or did you have the team organically grow process? What were some of the things that maybe, uh, you know, um, aspiring engineering leaders can take from your experiences? Well, it's been different every place I've been. You know, the, you know, growing, Culture, team, they all kind of go together and depending on you know, what phase your product's in yeah. um, and what kind of industry you're in there, there's, and what the culture of the company is dictates some. So I, I don't know that there's a single kind of rule on this, but I will say that you know, as much as possible, you, how do you enable folks within the team to help you build not only the product and the, and the code, but have the team help build the team from a culture perspective, from a, you know, how do we go hire? What should hiring bar look like? What should our, at Square, we had, you know, help bring folks together across engineering, across the company to define, well, what should the engineering career level look like? What should the ladders be? How do we want to reinforce that? How do we, in our promo processes, how do we want to hire for those sorts of things? And I think as much as you can get a broad range of folks with the broad range of perspectives to collaborate on that together. You can build something great where you're building the company and the team, not just building the code. Being a startup, right, oh, well, at that time, uh, a small company, I, you would have to have more than process, like more grassroots type of approach to hiring as well, right? Did, did you do any such things at all? Like we, like when I did this at Strong Loop long time ago, we did a lot of hackathons and that was also not just to educate the community, but to, you know, attract talent. Yeah. So things like that. Well, I think Square was a little further along yeah. um, and kind of scaled that point. Yeah. So we had a, you know, we have a great talent team awesome. who helps with some of that. But ultimately, the best recruiting comes from um, hiring managers and the team themselves being involved yeah. in it. Yeah. So in terms of uh, growing, so no, you, I, I've talked about you know, growing the team and what are some of the approaches you've used in the past? What about growing yourself, your career, your path? You know, your path has been really fascinating to me at least. So maybe you can talk a little bit, um, what are some other things that people should look out for in order that they grow in the direction that they want to, you yeah. know, career development? Well, I think particularly in this industry, you know, kind of constantly learning is critical. Like I said, I started my career COBOL on the mainframe <laughs> and worked with a bunch of people who had been doing the same thing for 20 years, basically, had never learned and, and were rapidly becoming incredibly obsolete. And so learned early on that in this industry, bad things happen if you don't stay current. And so I make sure to spend time, continue to do that. And also I like to work on kind of the edge of where tech is going because then you learn through your job. I'll also say that one of the great things about the fact that tech is kind of constantly changing and constantly turning over 
is that it actually in many ways is great if you're you know an underrepresented person in tech because you know like on the day that iPhone launched and mobile iOS apps were a thing there was nobody like it leveled the playing field no one had experience in that and so if you spot these things and you can kind of get on same with cloud and a bunch of these yeah. new trends if you're an earlier adopter of them you can quickly be you know a leading expert in the industry in a way that you can't necessarily in other industries where it's constantly um, just an evolution from where you've been. Yeah, so that's interesting from the technology perspective and growing your understanding of technology keeping current. But what about team itself? It's like one thing managing 13 people versus managing, I don't even know how many, you know, that you are. Did you get any help along the way? Any mentorship maybe in your peers in the community, anything like that? You can learn from everyone, right? And yeah. so I've had, like I said, I've had people in my team that have taught me things yeah. <laughs> about what they're experts in. I've had peers that have taught me things. I've had some, some great skip level um, managers. Mm. I learned a ton, and direct managers. I learned, uh, you know, a ton from Andy Jassy at AWS. He spent a lot of time with me, as well as Jeff Wilkie on the retail side. He he was my original skip manager there learned a ton. You know, Jack's been incredible in terms of teaching me a whole bunch of things that I really didn't understand at all and from his perspective. So I think you really, there you can learn from everyone around you and I yeah. think it's just having a growth mindset and figuring out who has what skills in what areas and can teach you something. Yeah. And I encourage that throughout the team. Yep. I want to reiterate uh, something that Alyssa you've said about skip level because I've noticed when I have been in larger companies and have had the opportunity to you know think about skip levels for my directs, people don't take advantage of it as much as they should. And do I would encourage all of you to take advantage of skip levels. And if you don't have skip levels in your own company because it's small, look outside. Look at leaders outside. Connect up with Alyssa, you know, <laughs> because it's actually really useful to understand how people grow uh, in their careers. Um, it changes your perspective. So um, the, another question I had for you was: When you made these transitions, right, from Microsoft to Amazon, AWS, and then to Square, what are the kinds of things you looked for, you know, in you? What were the kind of things that attracted you to the next phase? It's different, but I'm always looking at what can I learn, and then what can I contribute, and how do I balance those two. I spent 20 years in tech in Seattle, and venture capital's pretty much not a thing in yeah, Seattle. It's, it's, it's growing a little bit now, but pretty much not a thing in the way that it is down here. This area is really the heart of tech, and I wanted to learn about that. So I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I, I've never done a startup uh, or pre-IPO company. I don't know what venture looks like, any of that. And so that was one of the things that made me kind of go, okay, gosh, maybe I should go and try this and give it a shot and take the risk. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be any good at this. I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be successful, but I'll try. The same thing when I went from Microsoft to Amazon. I kind of crazy that Amazon hired me to run initially the all the order processing. So when you click buy on the cart, yeah. all the systems that did that. I'd never run a service before. I'd never operated a darn thing. And I was now in charge of running a service and building the code and operating basically the core revenue pipeline for the company. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm either going to do okay, I'm going to learn a ton, or I'm going to fail and I'm going to learn a ton, and I'm okay with that risk. Risk taking. So that's like another takeaway, right? You yeah. take risks. Cool. You know, if you have questions, this is the time. When should product and engineering be in the same organization versus different ones? Interesting. Well, I mean, at some level, they're always in the same organization because it's the same company, right? So it's just a matter of at what point do they meet within the hierarchy of a company? And I, and I think it, it depends. There are a number of things to look at. If your company has one and only one product, 
and everyone's working on the same thing, most likely they'll meet you know, kind of at the C-level underneath the CTO and a CPO or something like that, right? Product and engineering together under the CEO because everyone's kind of working on the one thing and the CEO is in effect the general manager for the product overall. In a business like Square or AWS was where there's a large amount of products and, and individual businesses where each individual thing, you can go find companies that do only that one thing. Both Square and AWS was organized with more of a general management structure where you push that down the organization. So you get product and engineering coming together lower down the organization, which just helps you move faster and reduces the organizational distance between those two functions for the product. Thank you. So the next one was, as you've seen several companies grow at hyperscale, are there any lessons that you can share with us? Hyperscale is fun, growing is fun. (laughs) I always go back. worked a lot in distributed systems. Organizations are distributed systems. So the way I think about both organizations and code is from that lens. And in that perspective, it's about you're kind of constantly figuring out how do I kind of do cell divides, if you will. How do I take this one thing that uh, is today's monolith that was yesterday's, uh, and whether that monolith is a monolithic organization or a monolithic code base, How do you start to decompose and break it apart so that you can get stronger boundaries between it and the ability to iterate, whether it's between the organization or the code, in a way that you can make changes that don't ripple through everything else and you can reason about them independently, again, whether it's teams or code. I love that, cell divide. I'm going to use it. (laughs) The next question is, how do you retain core members of a team? In particular, there's such a high turnover in the Bay Area. Yeah. People want to work on something that matters, something where they're growing and learning. You know, autonomy, mastery, and purpose, I think, resonates with everyone. And so as a leader and as a manager, you're kind of constantly looking at how do I make sure that the folks in the team have sufficient autonomy, mastery, and purpose in the work that they're doing such that they're engaged and love what they're doing. And sometimes it's like pushing someone to grow further. Sometimes it's, you know, looking at how do I align the work with the interests so that they can bring greater purpose to their work. But it's really kind of thinking through those things. Yeah, very cool. Thank you all.